My favorite thing to do is talk to you. Listening to how your life has been impacted and how you have grown in your organizational journey is so inspiring. Over the years, I have really internalized for myself and verbalized to you that perfect is not a thing. It does not exist. I have replaced the word perfect in my vocabulary with the word excellent. I am not a perfectionist. I am a person of excellence. I invite you to come to share your story about how you are being transformed from a reactive to a proactive person, from an overwhelmed homeowner to one who is now in more control of your time and your spaces. We all want to hear what more grace feels like in your life with your unique circumstances. Do not wait until you are a perfectly organized person. Remember, perfect does not exist. I want to hear from you. Please sign up to join me for a Wednesday podcast interview at organize365.com slash Wednesday. Francie, welcome to the Organize 365 podcast. Thanks, Lisa. Great to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today, but before we get started, can you tell everyone, how did you first find Organize 365? It was in the spring of 2022, and my mother-in-law, who lives about two and a half hours away from us, uh, was preparing to downsize from the family home of 46 years into a condo, and she was needing some help clearing out the basement. And a lot of the stuff in the basement belonged to my partner. And um, <laughs> and so lots of stuff was happening. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is something I can help with. So I started doing podcast searches for, you know, organize basement, et cetera. And I f- found how to organize your hot mess rooms. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was my first, that was the first podcast I heard. And so I was, I was listening to that and, and thinking it through with, okay, how can I, how can this help me help her? And I really liked your, your message and your voice. And I, so I just started listening to other things. I started picking away at, at topics because of course it, at the time there were about 500 episodes. <laughs> so it didn't seem right to go in order at that point. I was just looking for topics I liked. And then at one point I got really hooked and I decided I'm going to go in order and I went really fast <laughs> and it oh, took me about wow. a year. And by the time I finished, there were about 700 episodes. <laughs> so I, I, I heard a lot of you in 2022, 2023, but it was what I needed. Okay, great, great. Oh, that's, that's good. I am the same when I find a new podcast. I'm like, all right, I'll cherry pick here. Like, all right, you just got to start at the beginning with this person. Yeah. I mean, the podcast is over nine and a half years old. So I mean, I've changed in nine and a half years too. Like the message is pretty much the same, but um, yeah. hopefully I've gotten better over nine and a half years. <laughs> that was actually interesting to to realize, you know, when I was at the beginning and then and I'm still cherry picking a little bit and realizing, oh, probably some things have changed <laughs> in the meantime. So uh, so I better just listen faster <laughs> so I can so I can catch up yeah. and really get the whole idea. Yeah, you started with me, um, you know, just after I turned forty, and now I'm fifty. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of go through that whole decade. And I'm 46, so I'm right in the middle of that right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're 46. Who who lives with you and your family right now in your house that you're living in? 
Okay. Uh, I have my partner of 22 years, uh, Julien, and we have two children, a 12-year-old uh, son, Thomas, and a nine-year-old daughter, Joanne. No pets. It's the it's the four of us. And my, my parents and family live in Newfoundland in another province, and, uh, and his mother lives in Ontario, another province. We're in Quebec, Canada. Uh, okay. So we're kind of a nuclear family on our own here with lots of support from family, but remote support. Okay, great. How much of that basement clutter was, not clutter, memorabilia, yeah. memories, past history, mm -hmm. was supposed to be coming your way? How much ended up coming your way? Oh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, it wasn't just memorabilia and it wasn't just the basement uh, because, of course, she was downsizing and she had a lot of family furniture that was, you know, important to us. And we had a full, you know, small full condo and there was nowhere to put any of it. So we... And we had been in that condo for 18 years. We had been law students there. And then, you know, we started our, our jobs there and then started our families there. And we were using every inch of the space. <laughs> but we knew eventually we'd be moving into a house. So what we what we did as we got toward her moving date in November 2022 was we started to get an idea of how much furniture we wanted to take and all the boxes of memorabilia that he wanted to keep. And we ended up renting this 10 by 16 foot storage space in our city. And so we had a double move that day, you know, or the, over the weekend. Her stuff got moved into the condo and then everything that was left over got put in the truck and moved to Montreal and put in the storage unit. At that point, we were still living in our condo. We could have stayed there for a bit longer. It was getting squishy, but nothing was really pushing us to move out in that moment. But except then when we started paying, uh, you know, X hundred dollars a month for the storage unit. Yeah. It's now. We're going to look now. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, well we don't know how long it'll the rent take. And make it a mortgage. Exactly. Yeah. It, it could it could take a year. You know, we don't, it could take uh, two months, could take a year. Who knows? But we're now's the time to begin the process. You know, we don't, uh, I, I, all the hundreds of Wednesday podcast episodes we've interviewed, we haven't really talked about buying a house later in life, but I do know you know, someone else I know bought their very first house when they were in their 40s. You're talking about buying your first house in your 40s. And obviously, if you own your condo, that's also yeah. like buying a house. We have gotten a condo for our son and he could live there the rest of his life. Your kids are now, you said they are nine 12 and 12. And nine, yeah. So they would have been like seven and 10 at that time. What I notice as they approach like that 12 to 14 year old age range is all of a sudden they're adult size. And yes. like a house with kids in it is different than a house with teenagers in it because yeah. everybody's all of a sudden adult size. Your house just feels so tiny so fast when yeah. the kids all of a sudden match your height. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, maybe this house is too small. But also like, it's so expensive to have a house. It's yes. so expensive. Yes. <laughs> because then you have the maintenance of a house I mean, it's sometimes if you own a condo, you have the maintenance of a condo, but usually not the land, usually not, you know, some of those other things that you have with a house. Um, it's A house is just such a different ball of wax. And in the recent years, like buying one is like the lottery. Like yeah. <laughs> you couldn't find yeah. one. And then if you could find one, you just like, we bought Joey's condo, literally sight unseen. We just found out last week, it needs all new plumbing. The, oh, the entire yeah. plumbing in all the buildings is not to code and it just will sporadically break. Guess how we know that now? <laughs> Because <laughs> you I'm had like, to deal with oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But you know, we had no inspection because we bought during that time when it was, yeah, you know, you just gave them like I think we gave them 30% over asking. 
And we were in competition with 20 people within an hour. It was just, yeah. it was a crazy time to buy anything. Yeah. And then the second thing I wanted to say about that is when my parents separated and then my father passed away when I was in my early thirties, I mean, he had a lot nicer furniture than I did. Like <laughs> I got rid of stuff that Greg and I had paid for, for the yeah. hand-me-down. Oh yeah. Because it was like nice stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much nicer than what we had. And just recently, you know, it's been like 12 years since my father's passed. We have gotten rid of everybody else's stuff and Greg and I were able to invest in our own furniture. But I mean, that yeah. was when I turned 50 is uh-huh. when I bought my first dining room table. Yeah. Like, I don't think we really realize when we're in our twenties and thirties, how expensive nice furniture is. And there's just always something else that'll take that money before you're going to invest in like a nice yeah. dining room table. Well, I've got three ideas sprouting from from what okay, you just great. said. I'll see if I can keep track of them all. So the first one is going back to having larger and larger <laughs> children in the house. Uh, even before my mother-in-law's move, we actually could see the day coming where we would have to go. We couldn't make it work forever because they were sharing a bedroom. You know, it's a boy and a girl. And so, when, you know, as they become teenagers, we wanted to give them their own space. But yeah. it was also, since the pandemic, it was also my home office. My home office was in my children's shared bedroom. Oh, my um, goodness. And wow. so we made it work. And they were fabulous about it. You know, they, they were away uh, during the, I worked three days a week as a as a translator. And so that was work I was able to do sort of in a small corner of that space. And I was cleared out of their space um, when they needed it. But you know, I was on their Lego table. So we had actually bought the table so that they could do Lego. That never happened. <laughs> so, you know, life took another twist. Yep. So we we kind of, it was also the right time. You know, those two things converged and it made it absolutely the right time to make the leap. And then you talked about the, the whole different ball of wax of finances. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. I didn't expect when I kind of jumped on board the organized 365 bandwagon, but really was a godsend was, of course, the binders. And I did that very early in the process. Instead of doing the whole, you know, productive home solution and then turning to the binders afterwards, I kind of did it. Actually, I did everything backwards. (laughs) Um, I came in, I cleaned one kitchen drawer, and then I cleaned my basement. (laughs) I I went straight from drawer to basement, but I saw right away that they were the same thing. That they were the mm-hmm. same process. I, I just I got it instantly. As soon as I did the the organizing process of the well, decluttering and then putting like with like and then you know getting rid of what I didn't want, keeping what was left, and then choosing the containers last. That was wonderful. And then putting it all back in and making the space functional. I knew that was exactly what I had to do at the basement. I just couldn't do it in 20 minutes. I would have <laughs> the to give it. Basement is definitely not a 15 minute a day no. task. So I that mean, was just... that was November 2022. 20, uh, when I became a member until February, I think I finished it in February and it was steady work, but I did it. I I got a hold of our basement and I knew I had to do that before moving because it would make the move easier. And because things were coming in that we wanted to, you know, that we didn't want to put in the warehouse necessarily. So we had to get a hold of, we got a handle on her basement and a handle on our basement at the same time. And then the third thing I wanted to say was I'm looking at right now to my right at our new, well, the dining room table, which had been the dining room table in the house where Julien grew up and his parents were real, were really natural hosts. They were always inviting people over for dinner parties. And that was something that, that we just soaked up and we wanted to carry on that tradition, but in our condo space, it wasn't, we could do it every once in a while in a very limited way and hoping, you know, nobody would judge us, <laughs> but, you know, for this, we knew people wouldn't know we still invited, but we didn't do it very often. And now 
um, she, she picked a smaller dining room table for her condo. We have the family dining room table here and we hosted our first Christmas um, this past Christmas and we were constantly having 10 people, nine people around the dining table and it was wonderful, including my mother-in-law. She came and spent Christmas here with us. Um, so it's been a really beautiful transition that way. Yeah, that's another thing I don't think we talk about a lot is, you know, in my 20s and 30s, when we had a condo and then we got our first house, I was like, when can I have Thanksgiving here? When can yeah. I have Christmas yeah. here? Like, when can I host? And my mother-in-law was like, I'm hosting. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. how rude. Like, I want to do it. I'm young. I have this new house. Well, now, trust me, I host every single yeah. year. Like, I'm doing all the things. Whether and you now want to I or realize, not. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, and not in all instances, but there is a natural, almost like in your 40s, yep. you, sometime it could be early in your 40s, it could be late in your 40s, maybe a little bit in your 30s or 50s. But usually sometime in your 40s, the mantle is going to get passed. And when it gets passed, you'll realize that it's really expensive yeah. <laughs> to be the host. Because, yeah. you know, when you have Christmas, you have shrimp. Do you know what shrimp costs? Like, right. I mean, you just, you have like all the nice foods and all yeah. the drinks everybody wants. And then you yeah. clean your house and all the linens and all yeah. the, you know, all of those things, which I absolutely love doing. But again, there is, there is a big cost to being the, a financial cost and a time cost to being the host, yeah. which is great. And I love it. And I love that you have your dining room table. I yeah. do think, you know, the dining room table that we purchased, if our kids would want to take it, like it, it would, it's Amish made, like it would last from generation to generation. My sister has my father's dining room table and my mother obviously still has her dining room table. And my mom is a hostess. I mean, she yeah. still tea parties. We always call them tea parties. She has all kinds of parties. I think it's partly that generation was more communal in that they didn't have social media. So if you want to see your friends, right? <laughs> you you saw your friends in person <laughs> or on the phone. Like yeah. that was about the only way that you could catch up. So maybe or it was part of that generation. <laughs> for that reason, uh, maybe also it's cultural. I mean, I'm a white woman. So maybe that's something that white women did. I don't, I don't know. But that having those parties, hosting, getting together in person in that way, my mother-in-law, my stepmother-in-law, my mom, they all, they all do that. They're very excellent hostesses. Mm -hmm. So I should just take a moment right now after all these decades of flying home to my parents in Newfoundland or driving to Ottawa, alternating yeah. Christmases to thank my parents and my in-laws yes. for the work of hosting and the mm -hmm. financial burden of hosting. So, you know, hopefully some of that will shift. We'll probably do a combination of all those things in the coming years. But, uh, but I, yeah, I have to circle back again because I didn't quite finish about the binders. I also jumped right into the binders right away because I knew I needed to get a handle on the paper before mm -hmm. moving. So I was in a hurry to do that. And it was really transformative. And it really, especially the financial binder, I think I had been up until that point in this sort of the fog of the warrior mama <laughs> years and you know putting all my focus and energy on that and not really being able to keep in my head all the details and when things went into the filing cabinet, they went into a black hole. They didn't I didn't know yeah. they were there anymore. So it was just hard to know what was what the full financial picture was and mm -hmm. you know all kinds of a medical picture and all those other things and as I pieced together the binders it also pieced it together in my mind yes. um, and so I came out with this complete fairly complete mental picture and that suddenly mm -hmm. empowered me to make all kinds of proactive decisions going forward and I knew that we were going to enter into a new financial we had a paid off condo we had enough yes. income 
for everything we needed. And suddenly we were going to move into a space where we were going to be more on the margins. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I needed to know. <laughs> I, I needed to think about budgets again, like in a way I hadn't since I had been a master's student. And, and I needed to have all that information at my fingertips. And I needed to know what insurance policies we had. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't keep that in my mind until I put them in the binders. And now I, I I've got it. And so it helped with the financial transactions with the with the home purchase. Julien would call me and say, uh, you know, you know the drill. Do you have this piece of paper? Right. <laughs> and I had it in five minutes um, every single time, as opposed to that that desperate search and not even knowing if it was in there <laughs> and how much time I was wasting looking uh, or having to put off something else that was important that day because oh, now suddenly this is really urgent. I have to, I have to look for this and my whole other, <laughs> the train gets derailed. Yes, right. So you mentioned you live in Canada and obviously the binders are based on the United States IRS yes. tax code or my experience, <laughs> yeah. you know, being an American. Right. Um, we've asked this before, but I'd love your, your um, sure. evaluation. How closely do the binders work for Canadians? Okay. I certainly have to skip some spots and do some spots differently. The value of the binders is really the, I guess the, not the order in which everything is, it's just, it's, it, it, no matter what the system is you're working with, uh, it reminds you of what all the components are of a full financial life. And so you just put your thing in the right spot and, you know, it doesn't, I don't necessarily fill out all the forms that are, there, but in that spot in the binder, I'll just put the papers that I need or put my own, you know, summary of, of something. And so it still works, uh, even if you don't mm -hmm. fill it out in the way it was intended to be filled out. It's not a matter of fill in the blanks and go, but it prompts you to go look for all the right things. One of the last things that I did was I had to renew my kids' passports which required my going to the safety deposit box at the bank to go get their original birth certificates. So I made sure that I had a solid hour to do that. And I brought the um, safety deposit box inventory form with me. That was oh, one thing that I couldn't just do at home in the evenings. I saw that window of opportunity and I went and I didn't necessarily, again, fill out the form that was there, mm -hmm. but I looked at the form and I had my own paper and I just wrote down everything that was in the safety deposit box. And then actually just two weeks ago, I think uh, we were looking for papers for the sale of our condo. It's actually, it's closing in five days. We're fine. We, oh, we wow. sold the condo after buying this place. So we've been in this, we've been owning two properties for a couple of months, which is a little uncomfortable, but in, yeah, in five days, it's going to, um, it, the, the sale is going to close, but we needed, we needed papers. And Julien called me and said, what have we got? And what do we have to, to, you know, pay for to get uh, copies of. And I pulled out all my binders and I answered him immediately. And then I pulled out my safety deposit box inventory. I said, oh, and there's one there. And so he said, okay, I'll just go from the office. I'll pick it up on the way home. But he knew he was able to plan that time in and he knew exactly what he would get. It wasn't a, you know, a, a lottery. <laughs> I'll go just, yeah. like, I'll, I'll, I'll take an hour or two out of my day to go just in case there's something and then look through everything. He knew exactly what he needed and all, you know, five minutes on my end. I loved it. Well, that's so, I, I I love that you mentioned that you didn't fill out all of the worksheets or inside of the binder. I haven't either. Okay. Um, the goal is not to fill out every single worksheet and turn it in and get an A. Like, right. I mean, there's, right. we're so conditioned to that. It's still useful. If you the do worksheets, it. 
you know, differently. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more like if I was a professional organizer sitting with you, helping you, you know, settle your parents' estate or get your financial in order. It's literally every single question I would ask you mm-hmm. in order to create a binder yeah. for you. Like that's how I would have done. It, it would have taken months mm-hmm. to get through all of that information. Whereas you could just be like, oh, I don't, I don't have this kind of insurance. I have that kind yeah. of insurance. We don't have this. We have this. The other thing that I found in doing this for other people and myself that I'm wondering if you found as well is some of the binders like the household reference that you would have given to the condo. It's very cut and dry. Like you basically go through your file cabinet. You can find those things, fill it out, do it like, but the other binders, financial, medical, and operations, a lot of that for me was either in my head or on a computer. No one would have been able to find that in a file cabinet. What did you find? Um, Let's see. Well, actually, the, for the medical binder, what I've found, well, for all of them, really, but especially the medical binder, what I've found that that one's given me uh, is is not necessarily stuff that was in my head that I had to put on the binder, in the binder, but the stuff that I couldn't keep in my head from one appointment mm. to another. It gave me yeah. a really easy system instead of, oh, I'll note it in my phone. I'll note it in my agenda. I'll know. And then it's disparate. It's all over the place or lost or, you know, and when I need it again, I don't necessarily have it now, or, or I don't even write it down. You know, I listen to the doctor, I think, or I'll hope I'll remember, or I know I won't remember, but I don't have time to do anything about it. But, uh, you know, now yeah. I, I fill out that sheet of the appointment trackers and I will, for every single appointment that I have or that one of my children has, I will religiously fill out what did we talk about on what date, you know, what questions were asked, what follow-up do I need, when do I need to make my next appointment? And that has really transformed my whole relationship with the medical system. It made, It's making wow. me a lot more confident when I go to the next appointment because I would always, when it was time, I would feel like, oh, I think I'm supposed to make an appointment around now, but I'm not totally sure. And that made me want to put it off because, well, maybe it isn't. <laughs> maybe I can deal with yeah. something else first. And, you know, and then I would, I would, I put my head back in the sand, you know, I'd be the ostrich. It's really the whole program and, but especially the binders uh, is really a way of pulling your head out of the sand and making it not so scary um, mm. because you put your head in the sand because you're scared of what's out there because you're not totally sure. And it might be worse than it is. <laughs> and then when you take the time to look around and you get a handle on it, then next time, it's like, oh, no, I know, I know what's here, and I only have to do one step of it. I don't have to do everything, but I know what I have to do for that one step because I'm not in the dark. I know what's out there, and I can take my time and tackle the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, uh, and they're not scary monsters that I have to hide from anymore. I just have to put them in line and deal with them one at a time. Well, it is overwhelming. I mean, just the oh, yeah. few things we've even talked about, like handling a storage area at all is like feels like it's going to take a lifetime. Organizing all the information, um, different disparate places that you have it into actionable binders, that seems like there's no way you could actually even do that. And we haven't even gotten to like the regular organizing. Like it's it's overwhelming to say that you want to become organized. And most of us when we're ready to become organized aren't, you know, terribly disorganized to begin with. It's not mm-hmm. like we can't find anything. Like our family members would say, well, I mean, yeah, maybe it takes them a while to find that paper, but you're pretty organized. Like you're pretty organized. How how organized did you feel when you started this process? Actually, I really didn't uh, feel, didn't feel all that organized. No, I, 
I was too tired. <laughs> I would, you know, the, the days were very, were very reactive and there was okay. a lot to react to, you know, between, well, uh, Julien is a partner in a pretty major law firm. He has been since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, since March 2020. And his hours, they were always extreme. And now they're even more extreme now that he's gone back to the office uh, for the last year and a half or so. So he's, you know, he's a very, uh, we have a great partnership. We're really good at getting things done together and, you know, meeting our goals and, you know, and we're involved parents, but we have to do it with that obstacle of him he comes home at midnight most nights from the office. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, you know m- more Jeez. than you know. so. This week has been really nice. It's, it's a slow week at work, so he's he's actually coming home earlier in the evenings, and we're getting a ton of stuff done that's been backing up for months. You know, of, of difficult stuff that we need to do together with a clear head, and we don't have that clear head after midnight. Uh, and I need some I sleep. <laughs> so, so that's a that's been a big challenge always. And, you know, I have two very interesting you know, children with interesting brains that, you know, need all kinds of educational support and, um, which I'm very happy to give, you know, I'm, 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 um, I've homeschooled on and off. I love it. Um, right now they're both in two completely different school systems, you know, in two different parts of town, yeah. uh, you know it. So I, I don't have a car. <laughs> Though I have, we have to do it in public transportation. Oh, but one person I should mention is we have always invested our money in a nanny, and you'd think that a nanny would just be for the early years. But in our household, it really made sense. Instead of putting our money in a car, <laughs> we, you know, we put it in that level of childcare, and on a continuing basis, we hired her when Thomas turned one, and I went back to work after my maternity leave and then I had my second child and so she's been there through all that and then I we thought that we would only have her until the last child went to school but we actually realized that the way our lives were structured it would actually be very difficult to function if you know we had to take the kids to school and pick them up and you know neither one of us could shorten our work days enough for that so kind of turned her into a partial nanny, partial personal assistant. So we gave her a credit card, you know, of of joint. (laughs) And so she does a lot of our shopping and, um, and so she'll, you know, drop kids off, picks kids up uh, after school. In the meantime, she will come back and do some housework and even some organizing. She's a, she's a really amazing, resourceful person and we work well together. But what the key has been actually in the last while, even if we could do the regular day to day, is between, well, it made COVID, it made us function because we could both come home and work with a an eight-year-old and a five-year-old in a small space, but yeah. we sort of double-bubbled with her and she would either come and entertain the children in the middle of the house while we worked at the two extremities of the, of, of the condo, or they would just go to her place and there would be the only, those would be the only two yeah. spaces that we worked out of for the entire, uh, you know, for the lockdowns. So it was actually okay. The lockdown was not a, a time of extreme stress for us. It actually took a lot of you know, other social obligations off the plate and made some things easier in a way uh, without affecting our income. So we were very privileged in that way. But even since then, since my children are in two different schools, they have completely different pedagogical days. 
So, you know, I might have like 20 different pedagogical days in the year that would throw us off. And we live in Montreal. We have snowstorms. We had a snowstorm last night. We had no idea if school was going to happen or not today. So they slept at her house last night, just in case. (laughs) And uh, so they're not running around. School did go on today, even though we had 16 centimeters of snow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) we, we. We're pretty good at dealing with snow, um, but it's uncertainty, right? And um, mm-hmm. so it's the, and the sick days and the therapy appointments. Uh, if it's, yeah. I'll take them to doctor's appointments because we need to make decisions going forward. But if it's just ongoing therapy that happens once a week, once yeah. every two weeks, happens for both kids, she just takes care of that. She can pick them up from school, take them, take them back, and my workday is not interrupted. And I've only got three workdays, so I really don't want them interrupted. <laughs> you know. And then she works four days a week, so on Friday I'm I'm responsible for all the the home and you know the the, the kids uh, getting school and back but um but at least it gives me thursday it gives me one day a week when i don't have to do you know i'm not beholden to my office yes. and i'm not kind of chained to the everyday you know household daily tasks so i can move things forward every thursday i can keep uh, keep it pushing forward so between the three of us you know eugenia and julien and myself even with our complex schedules and the complex demands even with, and we just had a school strike that lasted one month in the public schools. Um, At the end of November, just, you know, the teachers went on strike, you know, with the support of the population, but for a month, uh, my son was off school. His, uh, his school was closed. My daughter's school was open. So, but that was manageable with that third person. So not everyone can do that, but we also, there are things that we also lived in a condo for 18 years and had no vehicle. So that was just how we chose to manage our resources. And I have never regretted that. You know, it's interesting because again, you know, now with social media, with podcasts, with all of this, there are a lot more examples of what is possible, different ways of running your household. And so you can kind of like lurk and see what other people are doing to decide. Yeah. When I was going to college, getting married, having children, I only saw two examples, which was you worked and you put your kids in daycare. Most people weren't even having like at-home care, like you could, but uh, it was mostly daycare or you stayed home with your children. And I just chose to stay home with my children. I I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It was something I wanted to do. Now with our grandson, uh, we put him in daycare before our daughter got a job because well, first of all, he has to be in daycare. The grandson has to be in daycare in order for her to work. She yeah. doesn't have a spouse. I'm not going to not work to watch no. him. And so we put him in daycare at like 20 months. We tried to get him in sooner, but there was a big long line. Oh my gosh. It's like the best thing. His language exploded. His like, I just, I love it. I didn't want it for my kids because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I love it for Abby and Grayson. And it's like the perfect thing. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. I agree. Also, you know, if you did not work, you probably could not afford to have Eugenia. Exactly. But because you are working, then you can afford to have that help. And your kids are kids are resilient. Like yeah. they're better off either way. If you chose yeah. to be a stay-at-home mom or if you chose to do this. And also you have this constraint of your husband has invested all this time and energy into what he's uniquely created to do. And mm-hmm. he is being rewarded for that in the marketplace. And he is providing a lot of service to the community in his unique gifting. And so because of that, then you need to make the decision for you. Like, okay, well, because he's doing that, do I want to then stay home and um, watch yeah. my kids? 
all the time and not have this extra job? Do I want to have this extra job? Because I want to continue doing this because I'm uniquely gifted and created to do this. And we're going to find this solution for our kids that also is great for them. And I just think there is no one right answer. No. And so sometimes when you say, well, we have daycare, well, we have someone that's helping at home with the kids. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't have that if you didn't also have a career. Right. Yeah. And and I so, do feel that my career is what I was uniquely created to yeah. do. And and for him too. I we, we were very lucky that way that we both ended up from the beginning, you know, and, and we're we're like Greg. Actually, we we're both in the same job we started oh, in geez. and we plan to be there forever, you know, if uh, if the world allows it, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'm in the federal government. It's it's quite stable, you know, if I if I want to stay, I think I can stay yeah. until retirement. Uh, no problem. But it is it has since I began Organize 365, and some of it was going to happen anyway, but some of it is also possibly because of, you know, the, the internal journey that I'm going on. So my work is suddenly changing from the inside. Mm-hmm. My, I haven't, I haven't, you know, gotten, gone into a different position, but I'm a legal translator. So I began in the federal government as oh, a wow. generalist translator, and then I followed Julian to law school. <laughs> He was going to move to to Montreal from Ottawa. We were both in Ottawa. He was going to move here to attend law school. And I thought, I don't want, you know, four years of long distance relationship. We've already had one of those. That was enough. So I, on a total intuition, I had never wanted to study law in my life, but I applied uh, because I thought, well, I don't actually have to be a lawyer. I could be a legal translator. I could specialize. So on a total moment of intuition, (laughs) uh, a little bit crazy, but it paid off. We applied at the same time to the same law school and we both got in. And we moved here, and um, I I had this transformative experience, and law actually turned out to be fascinating. And then I, but I stayed with my employer. I was on education leave, and I kept coming back in the summers to work for the, the what we call it, the translation bureau in the in the in the federal government. And so for the past two decades, I've been working as a legal translator, almost two decades, um, wow. and getting more and more specialized, but I had always wanted to be a teacher. That was my earliest career ambition. Wow. I was going to be a math teacher, actually. Um, and then I, I diverted into, into French and translation with, with no regrets. And and then I homeschooled a little bit and I thought, okay, well, this is this is how I'm going to be a teacher. You know, this this was also a bit what I was uniquely created to do. So with the with the homeschooling and the the warrior mamaing, that's how I'll express the teaching. But then not too long ago, about three years ago, I was approached by people in the training division that said, we need legal content for our translators who are translating legal texts. We need to teach them legal concepts. And we've got a program going toward from English toward French, but we need something similar from French toward English, which is my language direction. Would you be interested in helping us develop that? Uh, can wow. we borrow you? And first I said no, (laughs) because my kids were younger and needed more. And at the time, the training involved traveling to other cities. And yeah, and Julien was working his schedule. And even with a nanny, it would have been pretty demanding. So I initially said no. But then the pandemic happened and all the teaching moved online. And they came back to me and said, now, now would you? And I said, um, okay. And I was, it was really scary at first, but uh, they, they allowed me to do it really gradually. They said, you don't have to produce a course by a certain deadline, you know, just, um, just start picking away at it. And when you're ready, you're ready. Uh, So they, they kept the pressure and I kept on translating. I was going back and forth between my two roles. So a Friday workbook sort of really helped then, (laughs) I think. But anyway, I figured it out, developed this first course. It was like a three half day course. It was huge. And I've given it a few times and the response has been good. And then I developed another one on another particular area 
area of law and a hundred people signed up for it, <laughs> you know, in, in, I gave it eight times wow. uh, in November. And, and so that's been really exciting because of the, oh yeah, I, I am a teacher. I, you know, I knew it, I knew it, but I needed not to be a generalist teacher. I needed to really spend the time developing the skill in a particular specialization and then teaching that to my colleagues yes. who also, you know, needed it. So I feel like that's, you know, that's something now that I can go back and forth between for the, and it's really keeping my career interesting and it's filling a need that's been out there for years. I would have loved someone to have given that to me 20 years ago, yes. um, but so I had to grow into it and now offer that to my colleagues. And there's, there's a lot of um, like the, the community is really happy to, to receive that and it's asking for more. So, so it's exciting. It's exciting. And so I feel exciting. more prepared. I have more mental space. Uh, oh my be gosh! Do that because there's a lot of thinking involved. So. Yes. Well, I can't. I do English and sarcasm. I don't. <laughs> right. I have four years of French, and I I cannot say any of it. So I love that you said no, and it came around again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we think that like, oh, if we're given an opportunity, like if we don't say yes, it's never going to come around again. If you've listened to the podcast, if you went to back to the beginning and listened to the podcast, do you notice that things keep coming around again? Yeah. Like, oh, it was a launch cycle. Then it was evergreen. Then it was a launch cycle. Right. Then it was, you know, like, and even the way that the products have evolved and developed, you know, they started as this, then they became this and they went, yeah. you know, they kind of keep spiraling up. I mean, it's just natural as things are growing, they don't mm -hmm. stay linear. Like they continue to change and grow and improve and you continue to shed things that are no longer relevant. I mean, yeah. I started my business in 2012. There are some things that I did in 2012 are literally not relevant or, you know, have been disproven over time. Like maybe that's what we thought would be the solution, but now it's not the solution anymore. Mm -hmm. Like back in 2012, the solution was to take everything in your file cabinet and make, make it digital. Like if you make it digital, that will solve the problem. Like that's what everybody was doing. Well, right. <laughs> no, that did not solve the problem. Because then you just have more places to look. And where did I put that? Was my password? And does my yeah. partner know that? And like, no, yeah. <laughs> it does not solve the problem. At least for me, it does not solve the problem. Right. Okay. I, I didn't ask you any of the questions in order at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we that, immediately went to rabbit trail and, and went on. I, I knew know, that you, would happen. You, you followed so well. Um, so I'm just scanning the actual questions to make sure that we hit some of them. So the very first question was what time of year was it? And what did you do first? So you told us that you did the, first of all, there is no right order in which to no, I organized. know, I know. I've, 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 <laughs> like, thank you, thank you like... for the choose your own adventure because that's yes. who I am. I am choose your own adventure when it comes to this. Yeah, yeah I, so I own you, it. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that you chose the ADHD bundle. That's what yes. you purchased, which literally oh. has everything in it. Yeah. Why did you, why did you pick that? Okay. Two reasons. One of them was, uh, I just, I needed a prompt because it was a little bit comp it was expensive and it was the international shipping was really throwing me for a loop. And it was something that I was going to put off for a very long time. So when you offered the ADHD bundle and it had a time limit that actually got me over the, that, <laughs> that hump of, okay, now I, I have to deal with this. I, I know I'm able to, I just, I have to sit down one evening and figure out how to do the international shipping. And I figured it out. It was expensive, but it was worth it. Yeah. Do you and remember how much it was? If you don't mind sharing. I paid at least a hundred dollars Canadian in just the shipping. Yeah. So let me just segue here for yeah. international. I looked into selling in Canada. So mm -hmm. every country has its own rules, laws, you know. Yeah. So in Canada, you have to, each province has different importation mm -hmm. rules oh, yeah. Yeah. and taxation. 
and certain provinces, you have to have your product in both French and English. Yes. Well, mine is probably the case. I'm in right. Quebec, which is a and primarily Francophone you. French province. Yeah. I, I can make it in sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> no, can, no, no. could obviously no, hire huge. and that's have not, it in French. That's not your but, business yeah. model. And that's fine. And then it used to be like when we first started, it was like, I mean, the United States Postal Service, you just add 10, 15 bucks and you could ship something over the border. Yeah. That ended long before COVID. It was mm -hmm. probably like 2018 yeah. uh, when international shipping went from like 20 bucks for, you know, that package to more like 85 to $90. So then it was like, okay, well, we would ship it and then you would reimburse us for the shipping cost. But then you also have when you ship internationally, you have to put a customs claim through yeah. and say, what is the product in there? So one of the things that we have gotten really good at in Organize 365 is we know the material expense of what we ship, yeah. because obviously what you pay for, for the productive home solution is there's a lot of community cost to that course costs, like the actual physical binders, mm -hmm. the physical products don't cost a lot. It is the intellectual that you're purchasing in this package. So when you purchase internationally, we can give a list of the materials that are being shipped over the border, which are taxed at a much lower rate. When we were doing it before, we would just pay the VAT tax in the UK or whatever the importation taxes were on the full cost of the product. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. But just shipping in general, like just shipping is expensive. It's getting more expensive. So yeah. we're recording this at the beginning of 2024. There's a 5% increase shipping in all shipping. And you have to remember, first we have to ship it to Organize 365. Then we have yeah. to create the product. Then we have to ship it out. Like mm -hmm. shipping is a huge line item on our yeah. bundle. So I think it was in 2019 where we just had a flat $12 shipping. So sometimes if you just order like one thing, you're like, why am I paying $12? <laughs> and then if you order like everything. Why am I only paying $12? Yeah. So it actually works out. Like it yeah. pretty much works out. If everybody just pays $12, it works on the back end, And then we don't have the complexity in our website in order to calculate shipping and you pick right. the invite. And we're a very small company. Yeah. Well, so, it's just so the third party shipping solution, it does work. And a shout out to your team for the support because it was a mental block for me. Like, how do I do this? And I, I asked for help by email and I got the help. I, it might have been Tanya. It might. I mean, I think I talked to, no, I, I can't even remember exactly who emailed me at the time. I think I started with Tanya and she forwarded me to somebody in shipping. And uh, But anyway, I got exactly what I needed. I was able to put in my order in time. It arrived and I was able to start. But what, since we're talking about ADHD... Yeah. <laughs> I should tell you that other story that's all been happening at the, okay. the same time. So I have one child with an official diagnosis of ADHD and another who was tested because of suspected ADHD, but we tested pretty young. So no confirmation of that, but it's still something that needs support in school. So, you know, <laughs> it's in the family and I ended up getting myself tested because, and I was listening to your ADHD journey <laughs> and I was listening to a wonderful podcast by Katie Weber called uh, Women mm. and ADHD. And I started listening to support my children and yes. every episode I went, oh, that guest is me. Oh, that guest is me. That right. guest is also me. And then by episode seven, I started asking myself, I wonder where they're going to talk about how we clean our houses by pinging from one thing to another and then forgetting what room we were in. <laughs> and it was the next episode. <laughs> they described that. And I thought, oh God. Okay. So I need to do this. And, um, 
But I was talking to other people and they thought, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like you. I'm like, oh, no, you don't know what's going on inside my head. You know, this is a real problem. Like, I'm really having trouble getting certain things um, done that I really want to get done. I'm struggling a lot. And but then I actually it took me a year to find out how I was going to get myself tested because even that's hard, too. Um, And then I went through the process. And at the end of it, the report I got was both a huge surprise and it totally explained everything. <laughs> she said, well, okay. no, you you don't. You don't have ADHD because you have to have had it from birth. And right. there's zero indication that you had it in your childhood, like zero. You know, I read your parent, what your parents sent and your own descriptions of your childhood does not match. However, your adult profile is kind of matching. <laughs> so I can see why, you know, I, she validated my experience, my internal, um, you know, the internal maelstrom and how hard I had to work just to keep on top of things. But she said you know, your husband is working these super long hours and you've got these huge cognitive and emotional demands from, you know, with your kids and balancing your work, you know, your life is complex and that can actually suppress your executive functions (laughs) temporarily. And so uh, I thought, oh, now that, that fits. It was not what I was expecting. But it did feel validating, like I was being because I thought going in that if she doesn't find ADHD, yeah. something is something's wrong. What what is it? You know, there's something. Yeah. And she she did validate that what I was describing was happening. And then I realized I had um, gestational diabetes when I was pregnant mm. with my second child. So you know, I temporarily had you know diabetes for nine months and then it went away. I think oh I have the ADHD equivalent of gestational diabetes. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to have ADHD <laughs> for about twenty years. <laughs> and then I'm going to get my brain back. <laughs> but, oh my but, goodness. But funny. I don't have to wait 20 years because doing this program, I think it has actually reduced the stress that was having the impact on the executive functions. And I feel them coming back now, even though my life is just as complex as it was, because I've got a handle on it. I've got these external supports. The Sunday basket is huge. And I don't have the Friday work box, but I'll get there later. (laughs) I don't have the money right now, but (laughs) I got to get through this house transition first, but I'll get back to it. Uh, But between all the work I'm doing with getting the Sunday basket regular, it's not there yet, but I'm on the way and doing the productive home solution first in the condo and now all over again in the new house, you know, I've got lots to keep me busy, but it is giving me that external scaffolding, Yes, which is bringing systems, routines at home. We don't have them. And I don't feel that same, you know, roadkill feeling you know, yes. that I did, that I did feel for years. And uh, that's lifting now, even as life remains complex. I love it. So I, I love that you're saying all that. Cause that's what, that's literally why I'm getting the PhD because I know, I know. no one else is going to do the research. And I literally have written the study yeah. where we give people who don't even know what organized 365 is just the Sunday basket and, and test their executive function before and after. Yeah. But as I listen to your story, it really needs to be a more longitudinal study. And maybe those people would stay in the study longer because you are at the end of your second year of being with Organized 365, like your first year yeah. was through uh, passive organizing. Right, the podcast. yeah. Spring 2022 and, is when I began passive organizing. Yeah, and, and now you've done a full year of, of year. active organizing. And this third year, you are going to solidify your household systems and routines. Yeah. So actually money or no money, the fact that you haven't moved into the work box is fine because you're putting the 
Yeah. You're making these systems now your own. Yes. And you're really internalizing them at a deeper level mm-hmm. so that when you go to the workbox and you start to organize your work in the same way, it will be faster mm-hmm. and it will just match what you're already doing. And you will have work and life balance, which they say doesn't exist, but you will in the next, you know, two to three years, once you put, it's that we don't have systems and structures for the invisible work of all this. Right. And when you have systems and structures, then it's just a matter of running the the systems and structures. Yeah. And I like that you're very clear that this is a long game. Yeah. And so at the moment, you know, I can see what's really working. I can see what's not working Mm -hmm. yet but I'm patient because it's going to work and it mm-hmm. might take a year. It might take two years. That's okay. I'll get to it. That's how long it takes. It's not failure. If it's not working mm-hmm. now, it's just, Oh, I haven't, I haven't set it up yet because I I'm setting something else up and that will support me in setting up the next thing. What I've really enjoyed in moving and I've had, I've had a very organized move. It was, I, I could sort of see it coming because we bought the new house before putting the condo yes. on the market. We were able to buy it and then, you know, pick a moving date that was like two months later after the, sc- the kids were settled into their schools for the fall. And I gradually moved things over. That was a really fun puzzle too, because each oh, yes. evening I would think, you know, what boxes do I have? What shapes are the boxes? Yes. What spaces do I have in the new house that things can already go into? Because of course there's going to be some furniture that holds things that's not going to come until the official move. So yes. I could I can move things over, but I wouldn't be able to put them away. But I can put things away in kitchen cabinets. Yes. I can put things away here behind me on the shelf. This was right. all done behind I, I, I should describe it. I'm in the living room and all my scrapbooks and all their games, our family games and some some pictures are up behind me in the built-in shelving in the living yeah. room. So on moving day, that was all there. That was all set up already in order to reduce just the overwhelm of the boxes, the explosion of boxes that would be there naturally on moving day. And so then it was, I still need, you know, we do cook a lot and we need, uh, I do need to keep a lot of things in my kitchen right till the end. But what can we do without for the next two months that I can put away in the existing kitchen cabinets? So, um, and I don't have a car, but we have Eugenia who picks uh, my daughter up in the morning and drives her to her music school uh she goes to so I said my kids go to two different schools they actually go to three different schools because I have one kid who goes to a music school in the morning and regular school in the afternoon but the music school is really close to our new house so I would pack boxes at night and then in the morning she would come load up her car with the boxes that I had packed like four or five boxes take my daughter drop her off then come to the new house she had the key drop everything off and then, you know, go on with her work day. And then I would pick, you know, an evening every week or two to just hop in the, the subway and come here to the new house and put things away. Um, oh so a ton of stuff was done by the time Invisible we got here. organizing of that whole move. I mean, yeah. that's just like a um, lot of mental yeah. gymnastics. And Julien had um, back issues. Uh, so I knew that I actually, we, we split the work so that he was dealing with all the contractors and booking the movers. He did all the telephone work, which I hate doing anyway. And I said, I'll just do all the physical work. And, you know, I will I will get our stuff from one place to another. That's on me. Plus the movers, of course, at the end. And then he just organized all the people we needed, the professionals that we needed to come in and the electricians and the plumbers. And, and so that turned out to be a good a good division of labor. So, so we felt, uh, yeah, everything kind of pretty much went according to plan. Um, well, Francie, I could talk to you all day, <laughs> uh, but I have to go to another meeting. So I'm going to ask you the last two questions. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you wish you had known sooner? Um, 
well, yes, I guess that, like I said, that 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 external supports can really make a difference mm -hmm. internally, and they're available to everybody, no matter what kind of brain you have. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they they're they'll help in different ways, maybe, but I think um, I think everybody can benefit from them, whether they've got, you know, permanent executive function challenges or temporary ones, or even if they don't have executive <laughs> yes. function challenges, life is just complex. <laughs> and like there, there are periods where it's just harder and you need those, you need that external scaffolding and uh, it, mm. it, it's very effective. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's the main thing. And just patience, uh, you know, you yeah. can, can do big things, big, hard things one step at a time. So I just, now if I see a big hard thing, I know I can do it. I just have to pick my timing and figure out what I have to set up to, to That's so funny. get myself I, ready for success. Abby will say something at home, you know, because <clears throat> we are the women at home. Yeah. So we are, let's just face it, the women are doing a lot of the work at home. <laughs> and so we will, you know, Saturday or Sunday or Thursday night, we'll look at each other and she's got way too much laundry and I have whatever. And I just look at her and I say, Abby, we can do hard things. Yes. <laughs> like we just I get say started. exactly like, that to my kids. Things and we just yeah. get started. My, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and my, mm -hmm. I say it to my children all the time. My children, I'll just yeah. say really quickly because they really wanted to be mentioned on the podcast. They love you. Um, <laughs> my, I have one, my daughter will listen to the podcast with me, except like, you know, the kid oriented stuff and we'll watch mm -hmm. your videos. And I've got the kid program and she loves to watch the videos, but she actually struggles to execute it. So she needs a lot of support from me, but that's okay. She's, she's sort of learning the concepts in one way, but she will, with my help, you know, body doubling with her, she can yeah. get it done. My son is not really interested in listening to the podcast <laughs> or watching the videos, but he will absorb it by osmosis and then he will spontaneously do it he doesn't need a push he doesn't need body doubling he'll leave it for weeks and then suddenly he'll get like bitten and need to go work on his room actually you're a verb in our house we lisa rooms and we lisa closets and we lisa drawers <laughs> <laughs> like are we gonna go lisa your room today oh my goodness <laughs> and or thomas once opened a drawer and he said wow this looks great did you lisa this drawer mom <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. Um, oh so, gosh, the, that's so great. they know when the time comes that things need to be done, they they know what needs to be done. And so when he's off on his own, I know he'll be, even if he doesn't want to practice it very often and he doesn't want to watch and listen, he is picking it up and he will know what to do. He'll have those skills mentally. He'll just, he'll just have to practice. And when he does it, it amazes me. <laughs> you know, it just, it, and he'll come, he'll come out of his room and say, this doesn't need to live in my room anymore. Here you deal with it now. And I go, yes, <laughs> he gets yeah, someone it. Someone said over winter break, I mean, it was December 26th. They didn't see their daughter for a couple hours. And she came out with three bags and said, I would like to donate all of these to charity. Yes. <laughs> she went back in the other room. Yeah. Like, yeah. My daughter's not there yet. She's very attached to her things. Uh, so for her, the challenge is just finding homes for those things in her spaces yes. and putting them back in her home. So we're working on that. It's going great. She's and, very young. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> We've got come. time. We've got time. It and, uh, yes. and yeah, and he just, he's not, not quite so attached to his things. He just doesn't like to do the processes often, but when he does it, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, he, he, he makes the judgments. Okay. This doesn't have to live in my space anymore. You it's, now it's your job, mom. <laughs> you, you deal with it. Well, nine and 12-year-olds, like as they start to be, you know, 15 and 12, you're going to see three years from now, completely different kids. Like okay. as they really embrace that mini apartment and now that it is two separate apartments yes. and they're not yeah. sharing that room. That's right. You know, this is new to them to have their own space and to have that autonomy over that space and that responsibility for that space is all on one. I mean, like, yeah, it's your room. So clearly yeah. this is you. 
as they get a little bit older and, you know, they want to have some, ask the landlord for some modifications to That's their right. space. And they start to really take ownership and you start to see their individual personalities in these rooms. You see more ownership and you see mm-hmm. more accountability for those things. And for some for some people, it has to get to full tilt before they're like, fine, we're going to take this all the way back. And other people are going to keep it right in that middle range was like every week, we're going to keep doing it. You know, you have both kinds of people. So as long as you know what kind of people you have, yeah, and just hold them to those expectations. That's right. Yeah, they, they each yeah. get their own <laughs> their own expectations. <laughs> That's fine. Oh my goodness. It was so great talking to you on the podcast. 